Welcome to the Weekly Wisdom of Wise Bear, where each week we come together to share in a story, a quote, a moment that helps us distill the murky waters of life. I am your host, Tobias Neal, and I am honored to walk the path with you. This week I want to talk a little bit about kindness and compassion. When I was uh, taking my daughter to work, as my wife and I were coming back home, there's kind of a highway that's by our house. It's a Well, it's a roadway that people treat like a highway, right? They go way too fast. And as we were starting to drive back towards our house, I look over to the side and sitting on the road is an older gentleman. He's got no shoes on. Uh, he's kind of rocking back and forth and he's actually like on the road. And it really, really kind of bothered me. I was really worried about him that he might get hit or something might, you know, bad might happen to him. So initially what I did is I called the police and I said, hey, I'd just like you to go check on this guy. He's sitting out in the road and doesn't seem to be altogether there. And I'm a little bit worried that, you know, uh, being uh, as fast as people drive on that road, there's a chance that he might get hit. Maybe just do kind of a welfare check on him. But as I kept on driving, in my heart, I just felt like I had to turn around and make contact with him. And so we went back and I called, you know, I stayed on the phone with the police and I said, look, I'm going to make contact with the gentleman, check on him. And then if you could just have a patrolman come out and and take a look at him, Uh, because it was kind of cold out and everything else. So, you know, I parked and I walked down uh, to meet with him and I made contact with this guy and I started talking with him and he had been through the mix. I mean, his, his foot was swollen up as I had a conversation with him. He was telling me that he had worked in lawn or I'm sorry, in lawn care and a machine had ridden over his foot. And, but just the more I talked with him, I was just really trying to listen. Right. And, and I was looking him over to make sure he's okay. And he was kind of fading in and out as I talked to him. And in my heart, I think sometimes when we want to, to reach out and help different folks, uh, even me with a big heart that I have, I'm concerned, like, am I being, you know, taken advantage of or how's this going to work? But I, in that moment, I, I really didn't care. I really didn't care. I, I just really wanted to connect with this person, right? And him and I began to talk, and he was telling me his story and how he got there, and I didn't really care if it was true or not, uh, but he seemed uh, genuine, you know, and he's telling me about the whole thing, and and I just had a conversation with him. And the fact that I think that I took the time uh, to see him and actually talk with him, and he began to tell me how he was like cold and, and a little bit hungry, and I said, okay, let me go see what I can do about that, right? And I, and I took off and I said, I'll be right back. And he said, well, I'm waiting for some folks. I might not be here when I, when you get back. And I said, that's fine, you know, but let me see what I can do to, to at least give you a little bit of comfort with food, right? So I went down to McDonald's and as I came back, there were some law enforcement guys there that had made contact with him. And we, you know, I connected with the law enforcement, told him, you know, told the officer the story of me talking with him, et cetera. And he said, yep, he's just kind of cold and he needs a place to go. And I said, okay, well, you guys, you know, give him a ride. And he said, yeah, we're going to give him a ride down here. I think, you know, when, when I originally talked to the officer, he said, you know, why were we called? And I said, well, he was sitting out in the middle street and he says, well, yeah, but he's sitting over here. And I said, yeah, that's because I came and helped him. Right. I, I helped pick him up and kind of move him off to the side of the street to make sure that he was okay. And I think that's kind of what we're missing. Right. I, I think in today's media, uh, and that's really, and I'm not saying media is bad. What I'm saying just in, in media in general, social media, the ways that we ingest information, I don't know what it is about the human soul. I, I honestly don't know, but there's energy behind good stories and there's energy behind negative stories. And we have a tendency to really 
gravitate towards negative. Like there's a lot of energy there. And so, you know, think about some of the TV shows. We're just looking to watch people fail or failure videos. We get a kick out of watching people like totally bite it. Uh, and they're, they're done in fun, but again, it's still a negative. And uh, I, I read a story back, I would say probably about a year or two ago, and a kind of on the side news company decided that they were going to just show positive news for like a week. And they said their numbers just dropped off. And I don't know what that is about us, but I think we have to take note of it. And especially now with everything kind of going on, I think we're really missing the kindness and compassion for each other and for the world. And so as I got done with that and I came home, you know, I was talking to my wife and, and she said, you know, why don't you do some research on just kindness and compassion, right? So what I do is the first thing I do is I look out for some cool quotes. And I found a few and they read me, they led me to a guy named Albert Schweitzer. Albert Schweitzer. He's actually uh, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, but up until this kind of day, I knew nothing about him. So I wanted to share a little bit about him uh, so you can learn a little bit about him and what he did. And then I want to share some of his quotes, and then we'll talk a little bit about a parable. And I want to also just ask you some questions, right? Some, some things to think about this week. So Albert Schweitzer, he was actually a theologian. He was an organist, uh, organist like played the organ, <laughs> um, writer, a humanitarian, a philosopher, a physician, and finally a Nobel Peace Prize runner. And at an early age, he was kind of raised by a pastor. His dad was a pastor. He grew up in a church that actually cha- uh, shared space with a Catholic church and a Protestant church in the same church. They shared space. And so for him, he kind of grew up in a more, I guess, tolerable viewpoint as far as the different theologies. So obviously, he kind of grows up. Age 24, he becomes a deacon. Right? And so he's kind of set to be the next kind of pastor in Strasbourg. Uh, so he spends several years kind of just writing on Jesus. He's kind of refining his theology. But at the age of 30, he decided he wanted to become a missionary. And so he started to go to some of these organizations that were looking for missionaries, but they didn't really like his type of theology. Right? And so he said, forget it, I want to go as a, a medical missionary. But he had no medical background whatsoever. So what he decides to do is he decides to go back to school for three years to become a medical doctor. You know, everybody is against this. His family's against this. You know, he's got a, a nice kind of cushy spot for the rest of his days if he wants as a, as a uh, religious leader. But he goes back and he becomes a doctor. Well, during that time, he meets his wife, who happens to be a nurse. And they decide that they're going to raise some money. Uh, he finishes his training uh, after three years. He takes a year and does different concerts and stuff like that to raise money. And he decides to go down to Africa, and he builds a hospital. About, what, four years after, it's about 34, and he builds this hospital, and it starts out with just like a few beds, right? But he puts money in there, he begins to kind of build this thing up, and he's treating people. And you have to kind of remember during that time, white doctors and African-American people in general, like that just wasn't a thing, right? And so the fact that he went down there and he was trying to help them breaks some molds. He stays down there until he's 42, and a war breaks out, and he's a German in a French-occupied area down there. So he's interned, in essence, a POW until 1918, so for four years. He basically gets left. He goes back home. And when he gets home, so he's had to leave the hospital, he wants to go back. So he starts giving presentations. He does recitals. He's fundraising until 1924, right? So three years later, he goes back down there. He comes up with this term, this reverence for life. And... That hit me, just the word reverence for life, right? He, he, all life, doesn't matter. 
And we don't really do that. We don't really think about it too much. We might think about the things that we have to go through or our tribe, uh, whether that be a sports team or you know, a political party or an ideology. We have our tribes that we kind of hang with. But he was talking about reverence for all life. And I, that really kind of just struck me. I was like, that word reverence, like we really revered our life here, the environment, ourselves, our neighbors, people that don't look like us, people that don't think like us. What would that look like? As I was reading through this, I came upon a couple quotes by him. So one thing he said is he said, constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes ice melt, kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. And he also added, the purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion and the will to help others. Now, the reason, these are the original quotes that I came by and led me to him, but as I read some of his history, I also realized like during the time that he was around, people uh, said that in a way he would speak lower of African Americans, right? So all of a sudden we have this Nobel Peace Prize winner, we have this doctor who's built uh, this hospital, all these different things, right? He wanted to do well, but he was still a flawed human being. And I mention that because I'm not trying to and it'll be interesting if how people focus on that, because I've mentioned all the good things that he does, and then I mentioned that as a flawed human being, he had some viewpoints that were bad. Does those bad viewpoints, especially during the time that he was, erase all of the good that he is? Do we focus on the negative or the positive? I'm going to leave that up to you. But I wanted to include that because I think sometimes when we think about kindness and compassion, we get these big people, these big stories uh historically that stand out, you know, Mother Teresa, all these people that we can name, even Gandhi in a sense, the, the idea of Gandhi. And we kind of forget that these people were flawed. Like as much as they did all this really good stuff, they were still flawed and so are we. And yet they still decided to do good. And so I put that out there because I want us to understand that too, is that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be these big names. We can be a flawed human being. But if we practice kindness and compassion, what can that do for us? Now, I want to kind of finish with a story, and then we'll go to the questions. But one of the stories I want to hit on, and a lot of us have probably heard this story, but I really want to touch on why, uh, what makes it stand out. So there's the parable that's in the Bible of the Good Samaritan. I've th I think we've uh, most of us heard of the Good Samaritan. And in general, people take that to mean that we're supposed to be kind to our neighbor or take care of our neighbor. And... At surface level, that's kind of what it seems like. But when you really look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is talking back and forth with a lawyer, and he's kind of talking about the greatest or the grandest commandment. And the lawyer challenges him, and he says, you know, you know, loving thy neighbor, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus tells this parable, and he's talking about a Jewish man that on the, like basically going down the road, he's, he falls, and he's very sick. He's been hurt. Now, historically, that road had robbers on it. Uh, so most likely he was robbed and he was beaten. And then he starts to talk, basically say a Jewish uh, priest walks by him, doesn't even look at him. So this is a fellow uh, Jewish man that's on the ground. Jewish priest walks by him. Uh, then a Levite walks by him, right? Doesn't even look at him. And at this time, the Jewish people and the Samaritan people did not get along. And this is where the importance of this parable comes in, is Samaritans and Jewish people then like hated each other. And so why is it important that Jesus mentions that the Good Samaritan is the one that stopped. And when he did stop, he 
cared for the man. He picked the man up. He took the man and he put him on his, we all assume, I think it was a camel or donkey. Uh, and he took him to a place of care and told the guy, here's some money. I want you to bring him back, you know, or take care of him. And if, if anything else, you know, needs to be done, I'll go ahead and pay for it. When you really think about that, what that story is, is here's this person who doesn't like the person, shouldn't like the person, has no need or want or desire to want to help that person. And yet they are the ones that stop, reach down, pick that person up. And for, and I, I think this is what I think the crux of that story is, is it didn't matter really. In this case, we're talking about a Samaritan versus Jewish, but I kind of see it as it doesn't matter if they're black, if they're white, if they're, you know, um, gay, if they're straight, if they're anything. The lesson was that we as human beings have to practice compassion and kindness to even the people that we wouldn't normally do that because that's the deeper thing of all of this is that we are supposed to be humans taking care of other humans. Right. And so at the end, you know, he goes back and he tells the lawyer and he goes, you know, the mercy should be shown upon him. Like mercy should be shown to this is your neighbor. So it's, it's anybody. And so I wanted to, to kind of finish that because sometimes, and, and it's okay. You know, if you choose to practice kindness or compassion to people that you feel more comfortable with, that's fine. I, I would much prefer somebody practicing some sort of kindness or compassion for someone uh, that's other than themselves, right? Uh, but just understand that that was kind of one of the lessons. And this is a story that's a thousand plus years old or more. It even comes into now today as us as human beings is that we need to practice kindness and compassion. And if we lose that through the distance of social media, right, or the fact that we can't, uh, that we hang heavily into tribes, if we lose that, then we lose what makes us human. We, we have to find a way to treat each other better and treat each other well and take compassion amongst each other. All right, so I want to leave you with just a couple questions, and we'll summarize up, and then we'll close it out. So from the questions, I want, I want you to ask yourself, what are some of the ways that you can demonstrate kindness and compassion okay, to yourself, your immediate family or community? and the world at large. And I want you to think about that for a second, and then I'm going to ask you another question. What are some of the ways that you could demonstrate kindness and compassion to someone that is not of your family or community or world at large? Maybe it's somebody that you don't particularly like. Now, I don't want you guys to get too deep about this because, yes, there are some people that represent ideologies right now that are very bad, and I'm not saying that we should allow those at all. But at the same time, if you were just to practice kindness and compassion towards another human being and erase that for just a little bit, what would that look like? Now, what are some of the challenges that can arise that make doing these things hard? Because frankly, guys, we're human. And so we're going to look at some people and go, man, like, for example, what I said when I was getting ready to stop and talk to that guy, you know, or you've got people on the side of the road and they're asking for money. Our first thought is, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to go buy drugs with it? Are they going to do this, right? Or am I being taken advantage of? These are some of the challenges that are real. And so there, what would be some of the ways that you come around that? And just ask yourself that. And that's okay to do that. Now, in summary, I wanted to also kind of touch on a couple things with the summary. 
because I've mentioned a couple big stories. The stories feel pretty epic. One's about a guy that kind of jumps back up, goes to college. Uh, he goes to medical school. He goes down he builds this huge hospital, and which, by the way, still stands today. He does all that, and so that's a big, epic story. And you then have another one that's taken from a book that's you know several thousand years old or a couple thousand years old, right, and spoken by... Uh, Jesus, right? So these are big stories. But I, I, I want you to understand that kindness and compassion can be in small moments, right? The small gestures. Uh, interestingly enough, where I live, we just had brand new neighbors come in. I've not yet met them. I haven't talked to them because of the COVID thing. But what I did is like, I could see uh, it's a it's this uh, family and they're kind of standing out there. And they, when I drove by, they looked you know, kind of hesitant at first. They're brand new in the neighborhood. And I gave a huge smile and I waved. And he instantly, huge smile breaks out on his face and he gives me a wave. And then when I came back in, he was out working in his garage and he looks over and he sees my car and he makes eye contact with me and I give him a great big wave and he, big smile and he waves. And then I noticed as days have passed, he stops whatever he's doing when I start to drive by and he looks up and looks at me and I give a great big wave and he gives me a great big smile and a wave. And it's like, even so, it's just a second, right? It's not. I'm just waving to a neighbor, but I can tell like he gets excited. And he looks forward to it, and I'm I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And and just for that moment, we have this connection, right? Now think about other things: picking up some trash in a park where children play. You don't have children, but maybe you're walking your dog and you're walking through the park and you see some trash. Throw a trash bag in your in your car, and you know as you go, throw some trash in there and clean up. It it can be anything. You know, one of the things uh, the other day I was driving through and somebody in front of us uh, bought us our breakfast, right? I think it was in McDonald's. And I was, I, I love that. And so I, I honked and waved and the lady like looked back with a huge smile on her face and waved. And it's like, right, we need more of that just to be kind to one another. If your heart is led for grand gestures, then do so intelligently. So I'm not asking anybody to go out and like build hospitals and do all that unless you feel led to do so and do it smartly. But again, kind word, buy a coffee for someone, just listen, right? Maybe somebody's going to call you and they just really need to talk and just open up your ears and open up your heart and listen. That's an act of kindness and compassion. Just remember that these acts of kindness and care are like a pebble dropped in a pond, right? So when you drop these in, these ripples, both small and large, are going to move out into the world. You may not see what they're going to do, but just understand that, you know, when somebody did something kind to me, like giving me uh, my breakfast, I told my wife about that. And I was like, man, that, well, that was so nice of her. And then a couple of days later, I was like, I want to do that too. It's contagious. <laughs> so, you know, or I have friends that call and they tell me that there's a lot going on in their life. And I go, hey, I'm here. Tell me what you got going. And it helps them. And so I just want to, to put that out for you. So again, kindness, compassion this week, choose like one act buy a coffee, wave a hand, do something. So I want to thank you again for being a part of this community. If you enjoyed this week of wisdom, I want to ask you to subscribe and become, I now love this term, a wise barian. Yes, a wise barian. <laughs> uh, I want you to hit subscribe and do that. I will tell you, I got like two extra listeners and my wife sits next to me in the office and I was hitting the button. I, I went, oh, I get these, you know, I've got this group right now and I, I'm very happy. And then all of a sudden I see ding, ding, another two. And I was like, oh my God, I got another two. So I'm like a kid in a candy store. I love the fact that you're listening. Uh, hopefully I can keep giving great content and uplift us, all of us. Uh, also, my wife wanted me to throw in, I have an email, ready? Worldwisebear at gmail.com. 
wisebear at gmail.com. And here's what I'd like you to do. After you hit that subscribe button, when you have some time, if you would like, I want you to tell me what this story meant for you. Share with me uh, an act of kindness that you did. Share a story that you may have, and maybe I can put it up here. I would love to hear that from you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of the community. As I said, I am truly honored to be on this journey, and I will see you next week.